This is a Federal News Network podcast. Welcome to Ask the Chief Information Officer on Federal News Network. Now your host, Jason Miller. My guests today are Shanna Webbers, the Assistant Deputy Commissioner for Operations Support at the IRS, and Teresa Hunter, the Chief Financial Officer also at the IRS. Shanna and Teresa, thanks so much for taking the time to join me. Thanks for having us. Yes, thank you. And I'm also joined by my colleague, Jory Heckman. Jory, this is a pleasure to have you joining the show. I think this may be the first time we are doing a co-anchor of Ask the CIO. So thanks to you. Thanks for having me on. So Shanna and Teresa, the reason why you both are on the show today, and and obviously neither of you have the title of Chief Information Officer, which is perfectly fine, but we're going to talk a lot about robotics process automation and the fact that you all at the IRS are making a ton of progress using it. So let's just start right there. What is your approach to RPA and and what made you kind of decide to to jump in to the uh, cold water with both uh, feet? To Shanna, I'll go ahead and start out and let Teresa just add to what I have to say. But I think the main thing is that In the federal government and other places, we cannot continue to do more with less. And so how do we create efficiencies in our processes? How do we automate repetitive tasks that are high touch and low value that can also free up our staff then to do more important things like critical thinking, data analytics, really just helping them, our staff be more valuable at the work that they bring to the organization. And so doing more with less doesn't feel good. And so how do we work around that and increase our output with the same people that we have? Teresa, do you have anything else to add? The other area that we're really focusing on is gaining efficiencies in general. That may be through just changing our processes. It may be, you know, automations like RPA. And that's been one of our focus areas is trying to figure out how, you know, within the CFO office at IRS, can we be more efficient in general? And so we have started out just kind of in the infancy with our robotic process information and started with, uh, you know, a small proof of concepts where we're doing some, you know, test cases. So we have, do have, you know, success in some areas, um, but we are looking into other bigger wins. So we have, you know, several RPAs that are in the queue right now with IT for approval. Um, So we're hoping that, you know, as we progress and grow in this area, not with just NCFO, but also IRS as a whole, that, you know, we will start getting some more momentum behind some of the uh, the wins that we would have. Because um, to Shanna's point, you know, we really want to start transitioning the work of our staff from the transactional base um, to giving them more time for the analytical side so that we can be more efficient and, and more thorough in our decision making and things like that um, within the organization. At the same time, the IRS also is is probably the perfect transactional organization to take advantage of some of this. And and we know the, the challenges the, the IRS has had around staffing, around budgeting. Did, did it just make sense? It just was that, or was there a kind of an aha moment that says, why aren't we doing RPA and why aren't we doing more of it, Teresa? It really came from the top down. The commissioner was very focused on innovation. You know, how can we be more efficient? He's He's since, you know, for, for years now been saying that, you know, we as an organization need to be swinging for the fences. You know, we can't continue on the way that we are if we are, are going to be successful for the American taxpayer. Um, so it really has been a focus from, from the very top. Uh, and, you know, being a part of the finance community, you know, anything that you read about the future of finance is, is automation, digitalization, visualization, you know, all of those key buzzwords um, and that if we want to have our staff prepared 
you know, for the future of finance, then we need to start developing and growing these skill sets in our organization because there certainly isn't a lack of legislative requirements coming our way. Um, we are growing more and more of in our responsibilities. And if we don't change how we respond to that additional workload, you know, we're going to be in, in a hurt, you know. So we, we're trying to find a way, what we're calling agile finance, where we can streamline our processes and focus our, our work in a more efficient manner so that, you know, we are prepared for the future. Yeah, I think that the other thing when Teresa talked about top down with the commissioner, really encouraging the executives to swing for the fences, right? Don't be afraid that you're going to miss a hit, you know, get up to bat. And he has got our back in those particular instances. And so in procurement, one of the things that we did was really focused on empowering our employees to do just that, swing for the fences. And we had an employee who came to me to say, hey, I've got this idea and I want to try to automate this process. And this is how much I think it's going to cost. And fortunately, we were able to just say, hey, let's do it. Let's go for it. You know, my view is that the perfect contract is one modification away. There's nothing that we can't fix, but, you know, we, we definitely need to get out there and try. So it's top from the top down and from the bottom up, getting our employees to really leverage what they know is the right thing to do and then just supporting them in those endeavors. And, and it's those short wins that really start to really get the momentum going. So maybe let's talk about some of those initial RPAs. You, you, uh, I think Teresa mentioned there's several in the queue, but before we get down that path, what's already being used and, and what were some of those early wins that really showed the way? For the procurement side, we focused on a couple of RPAs that are pretty, that we felt were pretty simple, you know, start small so we can test it and see how it works. And one of those examples is a contractor responsibility bot. And anytime we award to a new vendor, we as procurement professionals must vet and do due diligence to ensure that the vendors aren't suspended or debarred, they don't have any felony. Uh, felony convictions, they're not tax delinquent, or otherwise adverse information. And we rely on a lot of public data to actually do that. And so having it would take us maybe a couple of hours to go out and search these various websites, document the information, prepare a report for the contract file. The bot was able to go out to these exact same public facing websites, pull that information in and give us a report in a matter of seconds. And so that was a really early win for us. It also helped improve our contract file documentation because it was an easy win for people to take that report that was already generated and just attach it to the contract file. So there were additional benefits beyond just the amount of time that was saved in those instances. I do want to point out if the bot flagged a concern that then the contracting officer would take extra steps to go out and research that further and do some validation. So we weren't taking the information blindly, but it was an easy way for us to gather that type of information. So that was one of our earliest successes using robotic process automation. And I know, Teresa, you have several others that your team is trying to um, leverage. You want to talk about any of those? From, you know, taking a step back, we really, we started this process on our innovation effort a couple years ago where we we developed an innovation team that encompassed, like I said, multiple areas of figuring out how could we gain efficiencies across CFO. And we really started with looking at our as-is state because we didn't want to throw automation out there just to automate, to automate, to say that, you know, because it may not necessarily be the right path to take. 
So we started out with, you know, documenting our as-is and then moving into where are the best opportunities for automation. Um, And so, like I said, we did some small wins that, you know, really were just, you know, kind of like I said, the proof of concept so that we would moving in, you know, baby steps toward getting the confidence, encouraging our, our, um, our staff to have a new way of looking at how we could possibly do things. So one of the areas that we have moved across the board is basically just pulling a report and then saving it to a file. And that sounds extremely simple, but, you know, bots aren't super fancy. (laughs) They're like repetitive, like mundane tasks that, you know, somebody had to do that. Right. So it it does save time and effort on our, our staff's part. You know, that obviously isn't one that's a significant amount of time, but it is us moving in the right direction. But we have other ones that are in the queue right now. So in the next six to 12 months, we're, we're focusing on um, RPA implementation that's working around data reconciliation and management for our manual adjustments for refunds and deposits that could save up to 35,000 hours per year. So there's a significant opportunity, I think, in IRS. We are a very paper-based um, organization, and it's just a matter of like our IT organization having the capacity and the funding to keep up with the demand that, you know, is going to be coming their way. You know, CIO has a a big job of making sure that we are secure and safe in in what we do when we are business units are very anxious to get out there and and get going. Um, So it's a, it's a balance, you know, between, you know, having a good relationship with your CIO office and, and understanding, you know, their perspective as well as the needs of the businesses. So. Jason, Teresa and I just talked about bots that we're using internally to help us with efficiencies and help our staff save some time. But I do want to talk about just very quickly, bot that we created in procurement that also has an impact to the citizens and others that look at how do government agencies spend their money, which I think is also important that it's not just internal, but also how do we create benefit to our external partners as well. And when the Data Act came out, Looking at USA spend data, which is used to make a lot of decisions of how the federal government is spending our money, we at the Treasury, our accuracy of that data was not rated very well. The IRS, because we are the largest bureau in Treasury, if we were able to improve that accuracy, Treasury as a whole, our accuracy would would improve. And so we recognize that. Concurrently, as we were implementing, looking to implement bots, we were also looking to try a new agile procurement approach called Pilot IRS, which is just an incremental way to purchase emerging technologies. And we could not find a customer who was willing to be the guinea pig to let us try this new acquisition strategy. So we said, okay, we're going to try it on ourselves and we're going to try it for a for data act and try to improve our data accuracy. And so it was hugely successful. We proved that the procurement methodology and approach using Pilot IRS was successful. And more importantly, we dramatically increased our accuracy and reliability of the data in USA Spend. We went from a very low score when we were audited to an A. We were one of the top agencies on the accuracy of the data that is out in the public space that's available. So I just wanted to share that different perspective as well. To zoom out a little bit, what is the the driving factor in which the IRS measures success here in terms of bots? 
There is so much work to go around for all organizations, not just at the IRS, across the federal space, but at our contractor and industry partners as well. Measuring that success is really important. And what are those measures? Currently in procurement from our bots, we have been looking at time saved or accuracy. We have not viewed this as an FTE reduction. Just because we're automating specific parts of a process or specific tasks does not necessarily mean that we don't need people to do other work. It means that we're being freed up from doing repetitive work to do more complex work. And so I think that that determining what that return on investment, how that looks and how you measure that is so critically important so that you're not leading to incorrect assumptions or leading decision makers down a path that's not accurate. So I believe right now, at least for the early on bots that we've been doing in procurement, they've been more focused on time saved or accuracy of data. From the CFO perspective, it's really a two-pronged approach. As we're, we're working on the automation, the innovation, the efficiency effort um, within CFO, we're also looking at skill sets of our staff. How can we upskill, reskill? What are the core areas that we want to focus on of making sure our staff are being trained to develop and, and grow in their role as we move forward with some of these shifts and changes? Um, so, you know, not only looking at our save, the new tasks completed and the, and the work capacity shifts, you know, similar to, you know, CF procurement and CFO, you know, we aren't looking to reduce necessarily our FTEs, but we're looking at being able to be more analytical in our decision-making and how we are approaching the work that we have to do so that we could be more successful in, in how we're, we're making decisions, how we're coming to conclusions and really getting ahead of any um, type of like audit issues or anything like that where we're really understanding our data and our workforce is really growing and developing along that path that would get us to, you know, kind of, you know, what I've said before, as far as the future of finance and the skill sets that are going to be required for, you know, people in a CFO organization. Shana, Teresa, on that note, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we can continue our conversation. My guests today are Shanna Webers, the Assistant Deputy Commissioner for Operations Support at the IRS, and Teresa Hunter, the CFO at the IRS. I'm also joined by my colleague, Jory Heckman. I'm Jason Miller, and you're listening to a special edition of Ask the CIO on Federal News Network. Welcome back. You're listening to a special edition of Ask the CIO on Federal News Network. I'm your host, Jason Miller. I'm joined by my colleague, Jory Heckman, today, and our guests today are Shanna Webers, the Assistant Deputy Commissioner for Operations Support at the IRS, and Teresa Hunter, the CFO, also at the IRS. It sounds a lot like the human worker is really, really closely followed in the loop here with whatever the bot's doing. And we've seen some evolution, I think, with a lot of agencies in this regard. You know, are the bots, you know, punching in and punching out, so to speak, when the the employees are? You know, are they running, you know, in the background somewhere, you know, where the employee is, is not logged in? You know, how ultimately, you know, is that part of the bot work cycle functioning? Because Teresa, I can only speak from the CFO perspective of what we're we're having within our organization right now, which is the attended bots. So we have a, a developer license where that individual would have to run that bot off of his computer. You know, there is definitely down the line as we, as we grow into the framework of what how automation is going to look at IRS we would move toward unattended bots and that would be handled through our CIO office to make sure that, you know, the security requirements and everything are there and, and managed appropriately. So it certainly is a direction that we are heading, but for us right now, we don't have any um, within CFO that are unattended. 
Yeah, I think that's a critical point that Teresa's making about the importance of us staying lock and step with our CIO partners. And, you know, they're have a lot more information available to them of the criticality or potentially the risk of bringing in a bot that's working on its own. At the IRS, we are very risk adverse for obvious reasons to secure our data and not let taxpayer data be breached or leaked to the maximum extent. And, and so we don't want to take any unnecessary chances when it comes to that. We are following all of the rules that our CIO is putting out there for us. I will say that's not quite as easy as some might think when you're not a technology person. You know, I'm known in my organization for saying, tech support, I need help. And so when, when I'm looking at following a lot of technical rules, I, I know it's a little bit harder for us to actually do that, but we recognize the importance and criticality of doing that and not getting ahead of our CIO partners when it comes to any type of automation. Teresa brought up this idea of upskill, reskilling the workforce. Shanna, you, you brought up this idea of we're not replacing FTEs. We're actually moving folks to, to if you will, more, hopefully better, more uh, satisfying jobs. One way to kind of get this through the process a little quicker is this idea of low code, no code platforms. I don't want to go down a path of, of crazy technology here, but but is that something that you, uh, you, you all are working with your CIO on so you can get bots up more quickly and, and not have so many in the queue? Because once you kind of set those guardrails, then the, the bots can, can happen, can be brought up maybe more both securely and quickly. Yeah, I think that I'm learning quite a bit about that, actually, the no code, low code. I feel like I'm talking a language that's pretty foreign to me from the procurement space. But it's important for us as leaders to understand what the technology means. At the IRS, we have secured a solution through UiPath. That is our current vendor who is helping us with the platform at which we are using for our automated robotic process automations. And so Teresa and I, along with the, one of the deputy CIOs, went to a conference recently for us collectively as senior leaders and executives to learn more about what the platform capabilities are. Again, so that we can help guide our staffs in that, that we understand the language, we understand how it actually works and how it should work. And then we are able to then be champions for our team. And so uh, us getting at least a, a baseline understanding of how it works, I think, is important to be able to manage on scale or continue to help your team grow in these particular efforts. Teresa, do you have any thoughts about that or about the conference that we went to together? The collaboration of having, you know, CFO, procurement, IT, digitalization, like having us all in the room, coming with our different perspectives and different needs and work that we're trying to get done, it was really helpful to have us all in the room together where we could, you know, answer any procurement questions or concerns that IT had versus, you know, well, you know, I'm like, well, why can't you just, <laughs> you know, and so it was a great opportunity so much so that even UiPath was like, you know, next time, you know, we have these conferences, we're going to try and work with our customers to encourage them to bring the different business units together so that it is a very productive conversation. And we had the opportunity to get many questions answered um, by having us all in the room and be able to walk walk away um, and take it back to our organization um, to work on the implementation and what that framework is going to look like for, for the path going forward. Are you all taking steps to reskill, upskill the workforce currently? Or, or Teresa, let me start with you maybe because the CFO office, if you can get that, you can get folks to stop having to push paper or 
or copy and paste a spreadsheet 101 times that frees them up to do things that are more analytical. Are you starting to see that happening or, or is it not quite there yet, but you can see it coming in six months or so? It's one of the things that we've, we're making a primary focus this year. So right now we're, we're laying out what that plan looks like. So what are those core skill sets that we want to focus on? And then what are the trainings and the needs of those employees that we need to make sure that, you know, we're getting them the training and everything that they need in order to move forward with their skill sets um, to kind of transition from some of the transactional work that they've been doing and then opening up through the technology that we're allowing and, you know, the efficiencies that we're gaining to look at our statements and fluctuation analysis and, and things like that in a, in a different light and having that time freed up to really do an in-depth analysis and understanding the information that we're putting forward. From a procurement perspective, continuing to build on what Teresa talked about, it's real, our people are what's so important, right? The technology enables us to help our staff do other things or things that they may find more interesting instead of just mundane, repetitive tasks. And, and that's really what we want to do. We want to create an environment where our staff want to come to work, where they're excited to come to work, where they feel like they are making a tremendous amount of value to executing our mission at the IRS. And so how do we create that? And beyond just upskilling or reskilling in areas with re related to technology or robotic process automation, really looking at the whole person. How do we ensure that every individual in the organization has the right skill set, the right experience, and the right knowledge to take on positions of greater responsibility? And so in procurement, what we did um, as part of our transformation in 2020 is we really changed our mindset around training in total, where instead of focusing on 80% of our training around the technical aspects of procurement, we switched it to more of a 50-50 mix. So 50% of our training would be on the technical pieces of how to do our job, but then 50% would be on a lot of other skills, whether that is critical thinking, whether that's uh, improving the writing skills, leadership, how to lead a team, even how to create collaboration, especially in this environment where we all are teleworking at the moment. We're coming back to, back to the office at some point, but, but we'll still be in a disconnected environment. And so how do we have the skill sets to where we can really come together as a team and logically walk through, through processes? And so I think the importance of that whole person training Training is what we are trying to strive for moving forward. And then when you look at individuals who may want to move in the RPA space is, is asking them, at going out and just doing a poll and asking our folks, hey, who's interested in this and where's your passion? And if we can link people up to where they're passionate and have them do that level of work or that type of work, I think it's a win-win for the organization and our employees. Shana, Teresa, on that note, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we can continue our conversation. My guests today are Shanna Webers, the Assistant Deputy Commissioner for Operations Support at the IRS, and Teresa Hunter, the CFO at the IRS. I'm also joined by my colleague, Jory Heckman. I'm Jason Miller, and you're listening to a special edition of Ask the CIO on Federal News Network. Welcome back. You're listening to a special edition of Ask the CIO on Federal News Network. I'm your host, Jason Miller. I'm joined by my colleague, Jory Heckman, today. And our guests today are Shanna Webers, the Assistant Deputy Commissioner for Operations Support at the IRS, and Teresa Hunter, the CFO, also at the IRS. Shanna, I also want to bring up, because you mentioned this, the internal piece and the benefits internally to the workforce. There's also a lot of pressure on the IRS these days externally. Get the refunds out. Hurry up. Process the tax returns. You got to do better, more, faster. 
this RPA has that potential for that external side too. Is that something you all are starting to look at? Where does that play into this? Maybe not for this tax season. I get that since we're knee deep in it, but where do you see it going in the future to really give you guys, uh, give the IRS a better, add more efficiencies? It is definitely in our modernization roadmap of where we are moving into the future. Defining a specific rate or pace of change is important for us and employees. Um, we need to make sure that we have a, a certain cadence of change because the automation piece we could probably implement fairly quickly and fairly easy. But change management is so important to that process of ensuring that that our employees understand what that change is. They understand why we're doing that change. They understand how that change impacts their daily activities. And those things need to be very deliberately programmed out so that the technology does not get ahead of where our staff is moving to. In procurement, we know that we oftentimes are procuring new technologies, uh, potentially in the automation space. And so we're also focused on how do we how do we make sure that we are experts in that as well, right? We don't want to assume that what we bought in the past, we're just going to keep on using those same techniques and processes of how we buy things in the future. We know that's different. And so we also, in, in tandem with IT on their modernization, working with the businesses on what processes that they feel would be right for automating, ensuring that we are ready, set, and able to execute to meet those needs in our processes as well. We, we definitely want to be Masters of our craft when it comes to procurement. And I would say, you know, from CFO perspective, you know, what our role is on the on the budget side of the house. You know, we had said earlier about doing more with less, but you also have to do do more with less within budget, right? So so we're we're working very hard to make sure that, you know, we we try and get IRS the, the funding that it needs in order to move forward with some of these innovative ideas and the initiatives that we have. And you know, the struggle that we currently, you know, run into is that IRS has been understaffed and underfunded for, you know, decades. So, you know, we're still trying to figure out, you know, how do we operate, how do we modernize um, if we don't have timely consistent multi-year funding. And that's been a very big push where, you know, we are reiterating to Congress and, and, and you know, Treasury and OMB that, you know, timely, consistent funding is needed if we want to move in the direction for that type of um, innovative modernization type work within the IRS. It sounds like these bots are really, you know, a valuable tool in the tool belt, so to speak. But as use cases come up and present themselves, is there a rollout or a cadence of how the IRS fields these bots? Like, is it the kind of thing where the agency is rolling out, you know, like X number of bots a year, or is it expanding the bots that are already fielded to handle more work? Like, how exactly is the bot to workload ratio kind of addressed as new opportunities present themselves? It's an interesting question, the way you phrase that, Jory, because it is something that I think that all organizations are really looking at. What is that volume of automation and that throughput that you're going to implement into your organization? From an IT perspective, you know, I'm sure that they have every customer similar to Teresa and I that are gung-ho and, you know, we want it and we believe that ours is the most important, but those still need to be prioritized across the organizational space and recognizing that there are priorities abounding across each business area that we could automate. And so what would that prioritization look like? We, we have met with our 
with partners in other federal agencies to ask them how they're doing it, how are they managing it? I think it's important that we learn from each other because this isn't something that IRS is doing in a vacuum, but let's talk to our partners in other federal agencies to gain lessons that they've learned that we can then leverage or share what we've been doing. And maybe they could also take those approaches and do them a little bit differently as well. So I think that that's part of that key is understanding sort of the best of the best that's out there and then what works for the IRS and then creating that plan and that path. You know, as far as these forums, these opportunities where the IRS is able to, you know, compare notes, so to speak, with other agencies. What are those kinds of forums? Where are those opportunities where you guys are able to speak to other agencies and pick up some of those lessons learned of of how another agency, you know, maybe stumbled or or found some new way to make the bots work as good as they can uh, possibly operate? I would say, you know, from CFO, we we did some of our own internal reach out, right? So we talked to, you know, various agencies uh, across the federal government, you know, like GSA, for example, who has been very successful and kind of front running and leading that for the federal government. Um, so just having sit down conversations with them, meeting with folks, you know, within different bureaus within Treasury to see, okay, how... How did you work with your CIO? How did you, you know, what types of bots do you have? Like, you know, so we're all kind of very similar and, you know, with our accounting, we're all unique snowflakes in the federal government, right? But at the end of the day, some of the stuff that we do is really, you know, basic and and very similar. So, you know, if there's any ideas or areas where we could leverage what others are doing is, you know, we kind of went down that path as well. So it was more just, you know, informal meetings, discussions of, you know, contacts that I had throughout the government and just to reach out or, you know, information you hear at a training or whatever that someone's working on this and, and just getting more information through that path. As far as like, you know, working with CIO, that's obviously they kind of have the keys to the the final blessing and approval for moving forward with the bots, but they have provided us with liaisons to help us work through the documentation process that's necessary for, you know, the security and safety side of the house of, of making sure that the testing is appropriate and that, you know, the bot's not doing anything that it shouldn't be doing or it's designed appropriately and in having that true, like, programming languages all, uh, you know, I'm not an IT person, but anyway, so all of those little IT things that I'm like, why can't we just turn it on? <laughs> you know, like hashing that out. They were, they have been able to provide us leads, like I said, to, you know, help us through that process so that we're kind of joined in the this growth opportunity together um, as we move forward to, you know, the, the framework. I mean, we've started down this path and, you know, I think there's more to learn on both the business unit side as well as CIO side of what, you know, the, the few true cadence will be going forward. Um, but, you know, but right now we do have a process in place where, you know, we can have ideas and then, you know, there's a process through an intake form that we submit to CIO that gets reviewed. And then there's a board that does an advisory as far as like what the road recommendations are to um, move forward or, you know, put in the whole pattern because we don't have the capacity or the funding to to move forward but that's where we're at right now but i'm sure that we will advance in that area as you know we get more accustomed to doing these i think the other thing is just the internal partnerships you know we we talked about external meeting with other federal agencies and teresa and i have a really strong partnership and our teams have a strong partnership of sharing ideas you know there's there's a lot of goodness that can come out of of bringing people together to just brainstorm and think through and talk about it and talk about what worked and what didn't work. And it also creates enthusiasm. 
amongst the team as they can see that others doing something that's similar to what they are working on and continue to improve improve how they are working in that particular space. And so we've really tried to not compete against each other, but but join together at the hip and be partners along with our CIO in how do we move down this journey. So that partnership has been really reassuring to me because I can also call Teresa and say, hey, I'm hearing about something. Do you know about that? Can you help me understand what exactly that means or where you guys are moving? Because I think it's similar to something that we're thinking. And you know, being able to have those open conversations is really important for us. Shana, Teresa, on that note, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we can continue our conversation. My guests today are Shanna Webers, the Assistant Deputy Commissioner for Operations Support at the IRS, and Teresa Hunter, the CFO at the IRS. I'm also joined by my colleague, Joy Heckman. I'm Jason Miller, and you're listening to a special edition of Ask the CIO on Federal News Network. Welcome back. You're listening to a special edition of Ask the CIO on Federal News Network. I'm your host, Jason Miller. I'm joined by my colleague, Joy Heckman, today. And our guests today are Shanna Webers, the Assistant Deputy Commissioner for Operations Support at the IRS, and Teresa Hunter, the CFO also at the IRS. You both mentioned the, a few of the challenges to kind of get this going. Uh, obviously, there's more desire, more, more demand than there is supply, so to speak. Shanna, you mentioned culture change, too. What has been maybe the, the biggest obstacle that you had to overcome, and what are some remaining obstacles in front of you to really speed up the adoption and use of RPA? Some of the main significant challenges that we had were really around the security requirements of the CIO and understanding what those security requirements are. There is a tremendous amount of opportunity and vendors and our industry partners who are coming to us with solutions that they have in place. But then how do we translate that information into the correct format with the correct level of specificity that our cybersecurity partners, for example, need to verify that those solutions are the best. Teresa mentioned the CIO identifying liaisons to help us. And part of that liaison work is that translation of the technology speak to those of us that are not in that particular space to understand exactly what it is that you want. And I believe in procurement where we initially struggled was around that translation. You know, I was given a set of documentation that I needed to complete but we were just really struggling to try to figure out what it is that they wanted us to put in there. And, and, and so that has been monumental in helping us be able to move forward. And, and so I think that that for me and my team anyway, it was, it was sort of translating what capabilities we wanted. We could figure out the processes we wanted to automate, but how do you put that down on paper to get that approved in the, again, level of specificity that's needed by our CIO partners. The other thing that I want to also mention around challenges was getting our team to adopt it. So like I was really, really excited about automation, thinking everybody was going to jump on board. Everybody was going to be so excited about having automation. And um, we had a particular project, a challenge that came up where we needed to implement some legislative language and put a contract clause in about 1,500 contracts that we had. And we were not going to meet the deadline using our normal manual processes. And I brought the team together and just said, hey, what if we try this RPA initiative that we had for the Data Act, which I mentioned earlier? Can we use that bot and then change it so where it can create modifications in bulk 
And I was surprised at the the lack of enthusiasm that my team when I when I brought this idea, this brilliant idea to them that they were um, just very concerned and very anxious about doing something that was unproven and trying to use an automation in a space where we had not ever used it in the past. But I'll tell you that one of the things that I, that I believe helped us in that was just being open to hearing what they have to say. I was really intent on listening to what they said. Every viewpoint was critically important to understanding the risk that may be associated with using an, a robotic process automation on a process that we had not proven out, but we just needed to do it in time. And so trying to take all of that input, let them know that their input was important and mitigating, either mitigating the particular risks, accepting those risks, or coming up with a different approach to eliminate the risk. And at the end of the day, because I was in charge, I said, okay, let's do it. We're going to try it and see. And fortunately, it worked out really well. And I think that those instances are where we talked earlier in the conversation about the quick wins, the importance of those quick wins for people to gain confidence in that. After that particular project that I just mentioned, we did do a deep dive and try to look at lessons learned. Obviously, we were doing it so fast that we didn't do everything per perfect, which is not expected when you're trying something new. You know, and my view to the staff is let's identify what lessons we want to learn, which means that we want to change our behavior going forward or lessons that we just want to acknowledge, meaning we realized that it didn't work exactly as we planned, but we're not going to take a specific action related to that. And I believe that that kind of approach also frees up the staff, maybe takes some of the um, heaviness off of implementing lessons learned. We don't have to let implement every lesson that we learn, but we should acknowledge, at least acknowledge all the lessons that we've learned when we try something new. It sounds to me that that culture change piece of things, you know, working with the people who are going to be on the front lines of deploying this RPA is just as important as, you know, making sure the business case is ironed out, even though in this case, it can be pretty obvious that there's going to be some value add here, making sure that everyone has some buy-in and some comfortability with this solution before it's um, deployed. Yeah, it was a real learning lesson for me, George, in procurement, because I was so excited and I did just blindly expect others to be as excited as I was about this. And so, so an approach that I talked about to the team that we should consider looking at is asking the staff what processes they think should be automated. They're the ones that are doing them every day. And instead of us at the leadership level, identifying what those processes should be is to ask our staff. And I think that also helps with that buy-in. If they're part of that solution to identifying what processes we want to automate and, and let them be part of that solution, it would help as well. Also probably get us some quick wins. And, and just to follow up on Jory's question, so once you said, okay, we're going to do it, I'm sure you had some doubting Thomases, and then you had some other people who were, okay, so, so after it got done, after it showed it was successful, even with some of the hiccups that maybe you experienced, what was the reaction? Well, my reaction was actually one of relief. I know and your reaction, that... <laughs> but I want the employees who are saying, no, Shanna, we're not doing this, or oh my goodness, yeah. the, 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 the sky will fall. I think that they were mixed. You know, I've got some people that are fantastic about telling me all the reasons of why I can't do something, which is important, right? Those people understanding what they're saying, which I may be blind at, is really important. But there was more of a willingness to try it the next time. 
and to come together as a group. And I, I believe that they were more willing to throw out ideas that in the past they may have been a little bit leery to suggest because it was something that was successful that we were able to move forward. And actually we've expanded upon that particular RPA. We needed to add some bilateral modifications. And so we took this exact same bot that we used originally and we expanded the scope of it again, just trying to not create something new every single time, but how do we leverage what we've got moving forward? So I think that that was a huge win where the team was able to see that we can take what we've done and then potentially use that for something else to continue moving forward. So, so Teresa, I know procurement people tend to be a little more risk averse. CFO types, uh, from my experience of talking to them, uh, are very by the book, but, but maybe a little more... Um, willing and open. Did, what was your experience with the staff as you brought up the ideas of, of using RPA? Reaching out to my partner over in procurement, I, uh, I, <laughs> I was like, how did, how did you handle like some of the changes coming away? And, you know, one of the things that she, she had said that, you know, part of the lessons learned is communicate, 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 right? So we have been trying, like, you know, like I said, a couple of years ago, we started this innovation effort where we created an innovation team where we have like a go-to place where people can submit ideas. We have groups of people that volunteer to be part of that team to look at the as-is state, those types of things. So really what I wanted to do was make folks a part of the process where I'll still a quote from procurement, like, you know, tell me what you hate so that I can make you love it, right? So what are those opportunities that, you know, you just dislike doing every day and let's take a look at it. You know, maybe there's opportunity to, you know, do the work in a different way or, you know, automated or, you know, whatever the solution may be, but there's got to be an answer, right? So we focused on that. We're, we're really focusing on the, you know, just the change management portion of it and, you know, evolving how we're thinking, how we're looking at our work products and, you know, how we're getting to the solution of whatever we're trying to do with different reports and things like that. So it's really the mindset of like, you know, getting your head around, how can a bot help me in my day-to-day life? So I think that's a big part, you know, even for me, when I, you know, first heard of RPA, you know, several years ago, it's like, what exactly does a bot do? And then you see it demoed and you're like, Oh, that's it. But, but it saves so much time. right? <laughs> and, it, and it can be really beneficial to the day-to-day lives of our employees um, and, and creating efficiencies. So again, just, you know, we've, we've done build a bot trainings and things like that for our employees where they can just get familiar with what the concept is and what exactly it means to, to have a bot. That's how we've been, you know, so far evolving is just really trying to manage the, uh, the change management aspect of it and, and get the word out there of like the benefits that could come and, you know, the changing role of the CFO community. Let me thank my guests for today. Shanna Webers is the Assistant Deputy Commissioner for Operations Support at the IRS. Shanna, thanks so much for taking the time. Thank you. It's great being here. And we're also joined by Teresa Hunter, the Chief Financial Officer at the IRS. Teresa, thank you as well for taking the time. Thank you. Much appreciated. And Jory, don't forget about you, Jory Heckman, my colleague. Uh, It was great to have you on the show. Thanks for having me on. I'm Jason Miller, and you've been listening to Ask the CIO on Federal News Network. You've been listening to Ask the Chief Information Officer on Federal News Network. Tune in Thursday mornings at 10 or subscribe to this show on iTunes or Podcast One.
When you need auto parts, O'ReillyAuto.com is just a few clicks away. We offer convenient options for you to get your parts quickly. Order online and pick up for free at your local O'Reilly Auto Parts store. We'll even bring it out curbside. Or you can have your parts delivered right to your door with free shipping on most orders over $35. Visit O'ReillyAuto.com. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.